It's EGAT, Paul and Kevin. We're back. We promised you we were not going to take that long. We apologize for uh, having the last one come out on Saturday. But as Paul said, we had a lot of stuff going on. And we've just been watching Texas baseball. So we're going to get to Texas baseball. This is going to be a podcast. It's going to be a dream of mine, Paul. We're gonna. I want to do like an hour and a half. And let's just talk a ton of Texas baseball. Get into the nuances of what we saw in the win against Tennessee but I do want to keep some people around, so we've got a couple other things, including Texas football, to hit before then. How you doing, sir? I'm doing good. How about yourself, man? Doing great. Doing great. I uh, was glad to see uh, watch Texas today against Tennessee, and so I had a short show, and and so I'm I'm all fresh and ready to go, ready to talk some baseball. But that wasn't the only news that we got. That was the good news. I guess maybe the bad news for Texas football is that Jake Smith has entered his name into the transfer portal. want to hit this with a couple different angles. Let me start with, had you heard anything about this? How surprised are you 1 to 10? I am thoroughly unsurprised. Mark me down for a .8. Okay, wow. Had you you heard something, or is it just the situation that you're not surprised with? A little bit of hearing something, mostly situation, and I think – you're going to see some people portal out. I mean, it's going to happen starting now through July before fall camp. And you're going to see some people who are not a fit. I think the coaches are going to have some frank conversations with people and talk about where they perceive they sit. Um, now, that's difficult given the fact that they haven't even had the, chance, the fall camp, right, and a chance to earn their spots. But I think, uh, you know, I think Sark and his, his uh, staff are pretty much practitioners of radical honesty. So for good or for bad. So they're not going to string people along. And by the same token, I don't think Jake Smith was 100% in. I think he thought his talents could be used better uh, somewhere else. I do want to also add the the audible pep in your step. And when I've seen you in person, the visual pep in your step, when you have a shortened show, even if it's your radio <laughs> show is shortened by 45 minutes, you're, you're so gleeful and so, so just happy with the world. It's so funny. Yeah. I've been doing it for so long. It's like with any industry that, that you've got to, even if it is short and I love doing the show. So <clears throat> if we would have done a whole show, that would have been fine. I still would have had energy, but yeah, there is something about like the, the industry gods, whatever the industry you're in smiling on you for that day and saying, you know what? We could have had you uh, starting at uh, 3.30, but instead we pretty much just gave you an hour-long show. Rod, BK, and I were sitting around just shooting the shit, laughing. So, hey, you got to take those days and appreciate them when they come. That's like exactly true. When you're a kid, you actually appreciate a half school day yeah. more than a, a weekend. Well, yeah, you do. Because <laughs> oh, you're just walking around grinning at 1 o'clock and looking at your friends like, oh, we feel like we're skipping school and you, you turn on the television or something and there's like shows on you didn't know existed. And yeah, it's interesting stuff. So yeah, back hey, to quickly, Jake Smith. Ha- I am, quickly, I'm, before I'm we get th- to Jake Smith, how about a snow oh, sure. day? A snow day or an ice day for us here in Austin? Remember how glorious that was? I mean, you really felt like God was smiling on you that day. Yeah, I mean, that's just so, uh, it's just not something we did but yeah you had a you had a big rant big run on canned food and then everyone would get cardboard boxes and 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 or old sleds that somehow their relative owned somewhere and they'd go to murkison hill we'd sled it was pretty amazing that was it that was it we enjoyed it and uh there were a lot of times that uh we were pretty reckless with our body could have gotten injured when i think of jake smith and his time here that's what i'm going to think of just being injury prone i I wish the guy luck assuming he does go through with it and kind of what i'm hearing he will my guess is he probably already has a spot 
laid out, but um, wh- how high were your hopes for, for Jake Smith? You know, honestly, I think last week we talked about it. Yeah, and we did. I said he's either going to be the third starter at wide receiver or he's going to be in the portal. Good call there, man. Uh, you know what? Yeah. Last week's podcast was dead on. We'll, we'll get to some of the other things we got right with baseball. But, yeah, you did say that. So, very nice call. Uh, well, yeah, so, you know, but I felt like Texas fans were really excited about this guy, and he did flash his freshman year a little bit. But, I, I, I look, it's not a really loaded receiving core for Texas. We'll see just how loaded it, it is. But I'm kind of getting back to your original comment on Sark and the coaching staff maybe telling him honestly what they thought of him. That's possible, and it might have been a two-way exchange. Right. You know, Jake might have just thought, hey, I've, I've got talents. They're not going to be used in the system, or the guy that you think is, you know, I'm behind, I'm, I'm a better football player. And so he gets a chance to go prove it, right? He's going to enter his name in the portal. He will be sought after, right? If you're a Gatorade player of the year and you have two years of college production, so in two years he combined for 48 catches for 568 yards, nine touchdowns. So it's not like he did nothing here. Uh, but right. as you said, he was injury-prone. He did have some big drops and some key games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a couple leaped to mind against OU. Yep. And, uh, you know, kind of like we, we never knew you, Jake. We never knew what could have been. And, you know, it's interesting. I think we might want to pop back in. Or actually, we could do it now. Do you want to kind of talk about the wide receiver room right now at Texas? Yeah. And just do a rapid fire? Yeah, sure. Okay. So I'm going to read the name. You give me your impression and you've got to limit it to like a sentence or two. Okay. We're not gonna di- we're not gonna di- dive down. We're not gonna try to go deep. But I, I want to get a sense of how we feel about this wide receiver room. Is okay. that fair? Let's do it. Okay. First, Jordan Whittington. Got to stay healthy. Uh, I've got high hopes with what Sark can do with his versatility. Yep. Yards after catch. Got to stay healthy. Uh, I think of him as a possession receiver with ball in hand upside yeah more quick josh more quick than than take the top off yeah exactly uh rapid fire kevin Uh, yay you went more than a sentence so i did so the deal is you have to give a very brief description and then i give a more fleshed out yeah exactly (laughs) all right i'll do this to myself then joshua moore uh needs to keep his head on straight Needs to probably weigh more than 160 pounds at some point in his UT career, but he does have a lot of quickness. A lot of quickness. I am worried that maybe he's just one of those guys that's never going to completely pan out. I do. I am optimistic about what Sark does with slight guys and freeing them up. I like that. Alvante Woodard. Two guys that are veterans. We got to get something out of one of them. He is one of them. There's a lot of talent there. It's strictly hope, but I'm hoping that this staff can unlock that. He's from Houston Lamar, which Rod Babers, our our pal, is going to love. He's got some physical ability. He seems a little stiff. I want to see what he can turn into. Yep, he is stiff. Good call on that. Jaden Alexis. Honestly, I'm just going off with talking to some of the people that that are on – that are are writing for Inside Texas or writing for some of the other spots, including you – that I'm excited just to kind of see what what talent is there and how that'll fit with Sark, but I don't have high expectations. Yeah, he's a true freshman. I don't know what to expect from him. The true freshman that I think we might have is a little further down the list. Marcus Washington. I'll start with this one, Kevin, and you can come over the top and defeat me. 
His cell, you, uh, so as a player, you got to live up to your cell. His cell was great hands route runner. He ain't lived up to the hype yet. I hope he does. No, he hasn't. He's the other guy. So Woodard and Washington were highly touted. you got to get something out of them. I'm not talking about a complete John Harris revival, but something. And you hit the nail on the head. I expected him to be a lot, a lot more sophisticated with his route running. Kelvante Dixon. I am – I'm excited about Calvante because of his skill set. I think Sark will be able to get him in space, and he is a space guy. I think he has true football speed, and you know it when you see it. I do too, and also think about the Alamo Bowl with that rainbow crosser. A lot of rainbow crossers. Playing two green grass will help him out. Sark wants to do that. I love that. Troy O'Meara. Lots of hype. I'm not going to say he's injury prone, but obviously he's got to stay healthy. Huge catch radius. Whoever the quarterback is, he'll be someone he can depend on. Yeah, it's all there. He just has to have the opportunity to prove it on the field. I am pulling for that guy hard, not only for him, but for the team. Agreed. Dejon Harrison. Dejon, I like. He's the Hutto hippo, right? Yes, he is. So Dejon is a is a water bug, and he's a you know he can squirt all over the field. Once again, he's one of those guys. Dixon's more of a receiver, but he's one of those guys that get him in space and let him do what he does. Uh, funny side note on the water bug description: I once received a long letter from someone uh, describing my description of a a player. I believe it might have been Darren Sproles as like a water bug said it was a racist designation. How? I mean... (laughs) I literally asked that. How? And this person said, I don't know, but you're comparing an African-American to a a, a bug. (laughs) You're kidding me. I'm not kidding you. Okay. Uh, Do you want to guess the ethnicity of the person who wrote that long offended letter? White. Kevin, you win. (laughs) Yeah. Congratulations. Probably a neighbor of mine. Yeah, exactly. Deshaun Harrison probably has a mask on in his car by himself right now. That's right. Deshaun Harrison, I agree with your description. I, a lot of speed. Uh, not a lot of speed, a lot of quickness. Quickness. Good, good with the ball. Uh, needs Another of these dudes who needs to break 170 pounds. Yep. Holy cow. And he sat Watch. out with COVID too, right? Yes, he did. He's now a redshirt freshman, which with COVID – uh, oh. designations means he's a six-year senior or something now. I don't know what that means. That's going to be tough to keep up with. Montrell Estelle. I don't have a lot of high hopes for Montrell. If he could be someone who could just be in the rotation, that would be that would be fine. You know what? I like Montrell as an athlete, and I thought uh, he always got sort of jammed up in a safety in the safety room. I would be fascinated to see if he can be like a senior surprise. Uh, Black Sheep Gas Camp winner. What do you think about that? Ooh, I like that. That would be huge. Oh, you know, look, if it's not Washington or Woodard, those guys were more highly touted and have been at that position. Someone out of the group we're talking about, one or two of those guys need to pop. Speaking of guys who pop, Kai Money. Kai Money is the first player to come from South Padre. Do you know you know he grew up in South Padre? South Padre Island, St. Joseph Academy. Yeah, about an hour away. Was at Blackbeard's this summer. Saw a Kai Money jersey. It's like, what the hell's going on? Awesome. The, I would have bought that. Yeah, well, no, it was framed in the restaurant and signed. And and so I, I'm talking to the general manager, 
and said, why do you guys have a Kai Money jersey? He said, oh, he's from, from the island. And I thought, wow, consistent guy, be that extra guy, be the third and four, catch the ball, and I'm not obviously looking for a lot of stuff after the play. Just be consistent. Star of the spring game. Uh, whenever Texas puts him on the field, he manages to give you some production. Got to love it. Appreciate the walk-ons. Uh, and then finally, last but not least, we're talking about guys who are on campus. Xavier Worthy. Hearing a lot of good buzz about him, and you can compare him to Josh Moore in terms of being slight, but this guy is a legit track guy. I think he's long-term going to fit in with Sark. I'd hold, I'd hold the expectations early on because of his frame. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, he's got real football speed. We said uh, Calvante Dixon exhibited the same. I think he's even more dynamic than Calvante. Interesting thing. You know, one of the things that NFL GMs will do, and of course you even saw it with the Billy Beans of the world famously depicted in Moneyball, the movie and the book. But uh, if there is a steady veteran eating up snaps, which is preventing a younger player from developing, Smart GMs go trade that veteran, yep. which pisses off coaches, right? Because they love that steady reliability of the veteran and the predictability. But if you're not growing, if you're not developing, if you don't have a future, you need to sometimes clear up the depth chart and give those young guys those reps. Maybe that's something that's happening uh, with Jake Smith and, and Mr. Worthy. Interesting right there. Yeah, it pissed off Philip Seymour Hoffman. Who somehow, yes, it did. somehow was playing Art Howe. Art Howe. What a hilarious uh, depiction. Amazing actor. And, you know, <laughs> managed to sort of pull it up. He pulled off baseball manager. I don't know if he pulled off Art Howe. But, uh... hey, prediction here. Jake Smith, where is he going to end up? I'm thinking I heard his dream school was USC. You've got coaches there. You've got players that have gone there. That just makes sense, right? It makes sense, yeah. If that's his dream school, absolutely. Uh, probably not Arizona State, since they're about to Oof. probably see some probation. Uh, and Arizona's horrific. So yeah, he might be a he might be a USC guy and join some other Texas guys on that on that roster like Keontae Ingram. So this could be one of those losses, though, because this is not a it's not a deep core. I mean, I, I'm hoping and expecting this to be the the least talented and and probably the least deep core that Sark's going to have here while he's at UT. I think they're going to be able to recruit receivers here, and you're going to see a lot of guys wanting to play in that system. But you could be you could be put in a pickle if some of those guys we mentioned don't take that next step, or you get into injury problems, which you could look at certainly Whittington and even Amiri and say, how healthy can they stay? Put in a pickle. You like that? I'm in, <laughs> I'm in a baseball I'm in a baseball mode right now. Oh, my goodness. Oh, this is great. All right, well – that's enough on Jake Smith. Hey, let's give a little love to a Longhorn who did something amazing, and that is prompted by one of our terrific mailbag writers. His name's Russell. He's given us some great questions so far. He's the guy that gave us the pick your all-time seven-on-seven team. Oh, that was awesome. Right? Yeah. Yeah, this guy's awesome. Keep, keep, you, keep those mailbag questions coming in, Russell. He chided us mildly, <laughs> rightfully, by the way, for not mentioning that ex-Longhorn Ryan Krauser, shot putter extraordinaire, set the world record at the U.S. Olympic trials in Eugene. Amazing. Wow. That is awesome. If I remember to correctly, Krauser, his family, like uncle and dad, threw the shot at Oregon, didn't they? I don't know. I don't know anything about the guy. Okay. 
Um, pretty sure. Did, yeah, yeah. He, he was born in Portland, Oregon, and came down here. I remember doing some LHN stuff on him. And he, um, you know, obviously he chose to go to UT instead of the family's main school, which was Oregon, and it, it worked out pretty well. So, yeah, I, I, I'm always into track and field. It's been fun kind of following this stuff. But you're right. It's easy to overlook that stuff and set a world record. Pretty damn impressive. Yep, much love to Ryan Krauser. And, hey, he not only beat the record, he shattered it. In shot put, you typically set records by centimeters, right? It's almost like it's one of these sports, like incremental tiny sports where just a tiny bit separates the men, you know, the the, the gold medalist from number five, right? He broke it by 10 inches. Man, that, and that's impressive. And the icing on the cake, according to Russell, the record Krauser broke belonged to an Aggie. Ah. Even better. Even better. Good job, Russell, and thanks for uh, kind of reminding us of that. Absolutely. So 76 feet and 8 inches, uh, and just in case you guys don't know, a shot put weighs 16 pounds. Yeah. (laughs) He he is a big dude, man. He's all up 6'7", 320, 330 around there. Oh, what? Throwers are freaks, Kevin. So I know a guy. I know a guy who knows a guy. Yeah. Uh, So I have a friend who's good friends with a thrower, he is the brother of an A&M football player. He went to LSU and was a thrower. Uh, his brother went to A&M and was a starter. I, and I'm blanking on his name. I forgot. I'll, I'll think of it after the podcast, I'm sure. Anyway, that guy, his name is Matt. He was such a physical freak. He was so explosive that the first day he went in the weight room, I mean, this is like as a, as a freshman in college, they were teaching him how to deadlift. And so he's working on it and they show him. And so when the coaches kind of turned their back, he walked over to a bar that was already loaded and he deadlifted over 600 pounds. Oh my God. Like he didn't know how to do it. He walked walked over, saw a heavy thing and picked it up is basically (laughs) what he did. That's how weightlifting started. Oh my God. That's exactly right. Yeah. (laughs) Have you ever ever heard the mythology of Milo and the calf? Have you ever heard about that? No. Please. So the, the, the idea of weightlifting began when a guy who wanted to get strong started picking up a calf every day. And of course, the calf would gain three, four pounds uh, every couple of days. And as he got the calf got bigger, he got stronger. And before and at the end, of course, the mythology is that he could lift an entire bull above his head. <laughs> Wonder at what so point that, that stopped being real. But yeah. Good little story there. Yeah, think about just picking up rocks back in the day, man. That's that is the uh, that's the most original of of really physical activities, probably. Yeah, I mean, the most primal of sports are like wrestling. Yep. Let's race to there. Like yep. you point to a thing and say, "Let's race to there," and then let's pick up heavy things and see who can pick up the heaviest. That's about as primal as sport gets, right? Yeah, and it started before sports. It was I have to outrun you, or else you're going to kill me, and I have yes. to move this boulder to either create something or to continue to walk or to roll down on you on a downslope as you advance up a hill. Right. right? Yeah. All right. Well, Texas saw an enemy in the opening round of the college world series, Mississippi state. For some reason, it's one of those teams that irritates me, Kevin. There's something vaguely Aggie ish about them actually more than vague. But they're kind of like Aggies minus 200 points on the SAT. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, no, they got the same colors. You think of Starkville, and they are kind of the Aggies of that Ole Miss relationship. 
Uh, although I don't think Ole Miss has dominated them in as many sports as Texas has. But, yeah, they've had their numbers. So we talked about everything coming full circle for this team in the opening weekend in Arlington where they struck out a million times and really Mississippi, it started with Mississippi State where it was embarrassing. Well, that was embarrassing Sunday night. And Will Bednar goes six innings, 15 strikeouts, one walk. You know, he came in with a 3.53 ERA. He's got better stuff than his numbers would show, but he can be hit or miss. And I saw that throughout the regionals and super regionals, and he was definitely on. I told you they want to go Bednar to Landon Sims. They followed that perfectly. And it also got back to the few pieces of kryptonite this Texas baseball team has. This is a really fun, complete team. They've got power. They've got speed. They've got some high OPS numbers. They've got high averages. They've got really good pitching and deep pitching, starting also with the bullpen. They play great defense, and we'll get into that Tennessee game today because that was the difference, the defense that really sparked a lot of stuff and deflated and took momentum out of the Tennessee dugout. But the few pieces of kryptonite, like the 0-2 team and 0-5 team, no team's going to be perfect. It's how much of that kryptonite is on you. Is this Superman? And think of the Gene Hackman movie, whenever Miss Trespacker, whenever, <laughs> whenever she ends up going in the pool and pulling the chain of kryptonite off of Superman who's about to drown. Well, elite pitching, which can be a couple things. That can be high velo, which Texas saw today. That can be movement with the pitching. And that can also be spin rate, which we're hearing a lot about right now with spider tack and why these gripping substances are so important for pitchers and really can give them a serious advantage. I'm not saying Bednar was doing that. I don't think he was. He's got a real high spin rate with his, with his four-seamer. And what it is is it's an optical illusion. So – it rides that plane and just carries where most fastballs actually drop to a certain plane. And if you're facing something in the 90s, and he was sitting 92 to, to 94, you're going to have to start your swing, obviously, and you're looking for that ball to drop. That optical illusion messed with them all game long. It's one of the few pieces of kryptonite they have. The problem is it's kryptonite where Miss Tressbacher doesn't end up taking the chain off where in 02 and 05 and some of those other teams, you're able to navigate the path. And, yeah, it's a hindrance and it stops you, but you're still able to get around it or get over it and win. And those teams did that. What worries me about this Texas team is they were going to face that elite pitching to go with base running and not getting bunts down. And those three things, but especially the elite pitching, was going to be Miss Tressbacher actually listening to Gene Hackman and saying, you know what, I'm going to go in the other room. Superman, you're going to die. And that's kind of the way I felt watching that game because Bednar, lots of spin rate. And Texas made no adjustment. They've got no excuse for not adjusting. You saw really long swings, and they didn't shorten up until the ninth inning when you saw Cam Williams choking up a little bit, and you saw guys making sure that they make contact. You can't strike out 21 times in 31 plate appearances and have me feel like you're a realistic team to go win a national championship. Yeah, an ignominious record set by Texas, the most strikeouts in College World Series history. And they've been playing those games for quite a while. Uh, yes, 47. That was a tough watch, and I watched all nine painful innings Oof. and even had the little lure of, oh, my God, are we going to pull this out? You know, when, when uh, the solo homer came, but, of course, it wasn't to be. Uh, you nailed it on Bednar because I brought it up as saying, hey, I, I know the reputation is he has better stuff than his performance, but you were like, mm, 
I've been watching this guy. This isn't good for us. This is a bad matchup for us. And you describe exactly what was happening. I kind of wonder if a little shade needs to get thrown on Troy T, a guy that we've praised on the podcast that you love. uh, Because at the end of the day, if that fastball, as you said, the optical illusion does not drop, it's just a fat fastball high over the plate. Yeah. Right. And, And if you could swing accordingly, you might be able to to knock that thing out of the park, which the ball was carrying that day. Uh, but Texas could not adjust. And man, it was just, you could see them struggling to find and see and understand the ball. Uh, and I understand it was phenomenal pitching by Bednar. But boy, I think Texas's hitting contributed to that performance a little bit as well. I agree. No, the approach was not good. And Tulo's been fantastic. And I'm sure Tulo was trying to talk to them, but you got to make some adjustment, whether that is shortening your swing or, like you said, just trusting, look, the ball is going to continue to carry for him, and it is not going to drop. You cannot be swinging under stuff, try and time it up, because it's not 98. I mean, it's 93. It's 93 that looks 96, though, and that gets back to that optical illusion. But, yeah, you get on the whole coaching staff and the whole lineup. That was piss poor, and you got to make some adjustments. The, the erratic home plate umpiring and strike zone – did not cost Texas the game, but it did make it more difficult with a team clearly that was in a funk and in taking bad cuts and having a bad approach when you don't know what's a strike. So there were also some pitches that they're trying to take and lay off that should have been called the ball that were called the strike. Same thing also happened with, with Madden on the mound a couple times. I think Texas probably got screwed a little bit more, but look, you strike out 21 times. I'm not talking about a home plate umpire. I'm not talking about anything, but – but really just bad offense. And it, it was it was depressing and sucks because they still almost got through that path. I mean, you're 90 feet away with Doug Hodo up there. You talked about the Antico solo homer in the ninth, bottom of the ninth, to, to cut that thing in half. And then you end up getting guys at first and third. Great at bat from Ivan Melendez. I do think that we saw that again today. I think Ivan Melendez is actually seeing the ball better than he was a week ago. Now, there's not going to be the results. There's not going to be the 450-foot blast or even a lot of hits that go with it, but he's spitting on pitches that he needs to spit on. That was a great 10-pitch at-bat to keep that thing alive. And then Cam Williams chokes up, shortens up, gets a hit. You got first and third, 90 feet away, and you looked that bad. It does It does say kind of show you just how close this team was and also how good Ty Madden was. We debated – whether it should be Ty Madden or Pete Hansen, I think that, well, actually, I think if you looked at both performances, it probably could have been either of them, but certainly the right call with Ty Madden. He did have the two walks, got him into trouble. There was that one inning where he gives up the triple to go with that walk and gives up the two runs, but he had 10 strikeouts, man. He was fantastic. This was not a pitching issue. This was an offensive issue. Nope. Good adjustment by Ty Madden, who got lit up by Mississippi State early in the year. Not to be the case. Uh, really wasted a good, a fine pitching performance, and that's a bummer. Good news is, a credit to this team, Texas didn't feel sorry for themselves. They decided they're going to go up there, and, and they're not ready to go home. They're going to compete. Uh, they really took it to Tennessee, and it was a pretty complete performance. Uh, you know, they, 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 they separated late, but... There's no doubt in my mind Texas had the better ball club, and at least on that day. And you got we got to talk about the defense. It was phenomenal, man. It really was. And that fourth inning was everything I love about college baseball. I don't know if you saw Ross Kivett, their assistant coach, get tossed, 
But that that thing, they've got a real red-ass staff, Kivitt, Josh Elander, Vitello, the head coach, and then Frank Anderson, the pitching coach. I knew that they were going to be really chirpy. And, and you get into elimination game, man. This is, a, this is it. And you could feel the tension in that fourth, but really you could also just see the Texas defense all game long, but also in that inning. That was the difference, man. And that's the, they've got a top-10 defense. That's why you got to pound the strike zone and make your defense work behind it. I mean, they had some big league plays today, and that really was the difference for me. Silas Ardoin. Woo-hoo-hoo. That, that was big time, man. That's not a double play you see very often, right? No. I mean, so to pick with a catcher's mitt, to pick and, you know, you've got home plate, so it's not a base. you got to keep your toe on that. And to, to back pick a short hop like that and still be able – to throw to first and get the 5-2-3 double play, the bases are loaded, no outs. That was the play of the game. As big as Eric Kennedy's shot was in, I guess, an inning before or a couple innings before, that was, or I guess it would have been an inning before, that was it. That was the play. That was the difference. That is the one you put a star on because two runs come home. You got second and third, no outs. If he doesn't make that play, my guess is Texas probably loses this game. But the defense was able to deflate the Tennessee offense with that play and then another big league play, which was the 4-6-3 that Mitchell Daly turned, going to his left, spinning all in one motion, firing a strike to Faltini, who then just went Sean Dunstan on, on Mark Grace and threw one about 96 or 97 to Zubia. Unbelievable. You know, it, it's funny, you, you sort of look at baseball philosophically and one of the things that is cool about baseball, I will begrudgingly Whoa. admit, in the structure of the game is you can play till infinity. Yeah. Right? So Somewhere Alistair, Austin Woods so, listening and laughing and saying, oh, yeah, yeah he's he like, yeah, I'm aware. I'm aware, man. He's like rubbing his arm right now. <laughs> uh, but you can play till infinity. And if you don't – and outs are so valuable. And, and in that situation, of course, with, with – uh, bases loaded two outs is, is just absolutely invaluable because that thing could have gotten that thing could have gotten away right yes and then also just turning double plays that are very difficult uh, that just the value of that it's it's very difficult to even properly calculate right because of the nature of calculating against infinity but you know i i, I wonder and i'm sure there is but the idea the ability to turn difficult double plays that is just inestimable in talking about a game impact. Like, it's something that tight. It, it really is. I mean, the four six three. that is not only a big league play, that's a really good big league play. So you're at the ballpark and you're thinking, all right, I'm going to watch the best defenders in the world. These guys look like magicians. They're so smooth, so quick. And if you saw that play, you'd go, oh, that's why I came to the game. I, I want to see the best do the best or uh, play the best and make the best plays and – that was just a hell of a play. Yeah, their defense, you know, I'm not sure which one affected the other, but their defense really, I think, gave them some confidence going up to the plate. And also give Eric Kennedy a lot of credit, man. Eric Kennedy, this has been a nice postseason run for a guy who clearly was the guy who struggled the most with his swing. Yeah, I could, You could see it all year. You heard me talking about it on the podcast all year long that Eric Kennedy's swing, there's just something not right. He's been working on his right front foot and really getting that down and getting his timing down. And he's looked a heck of a lot better. Just the swing in general looks better. He's got some pop, and he showed that today. But you're down 2 nothing. You're in an elimination game, and you're coming off just a uh, 
an embarrassing performance, which David Pierce did use that word, of the 21 strikeouts, and you're kind of questioning where your offense is. And you got two outs, two on, and Tidwell, their, their blade, I like that first name, Blade Tidwell, he, he is just peppering Kennedy with fastballs. And Kennedy works the count, and the more fastballs you see and the more time you're up there, the better timing you're going to get. And that's probably where you got to go to a slider. And he threw it right where lefties like it, man. That thing was down. He was able to drop the bad head. And that was just a huge release and relief for that Texas offense and that dugout. You saw Faltini jump out, and those guys were excited. It's almost like at this point, okay, we haven't completely changed. Let's just relax. Let's go up there. The the at-bats – Today against Tennessee compared to the at-bats against Mississippi State, yeah, it's a different pitcher. I, I, I completely understand that. Just the at-bats and the approach, the pr- approaches were so much better. It was much more indicative of what this team has done throughout the regular season. But that Kennedy shot, man, I can't tell you how big that is. And then some of those defensive plays, you know, you can maybe not be getting a hit. You make a couple of really smooth defensive plays, and just naturally it's going to boost your confidence. No doubt. Another couple of statistics, uh, I think, that are useful in, in examining that game. Kennedy's home run was a two-out two out homer, and two-out hitting against Tennessee was good. And that's something Texas – boy, if you can get – if you can generate runs with two outs, that's, uh, that's good stuff, especially in a College World Series sort of format. And secondly, Tennessee had nine hits, Kevin. Only one of them went for an extra base. Mm-hmm. Very, very sort important. Sort of little tappy, irrelevant – hits and yeah Tennessee put some runs on the board but when Tanner Witt came in props to that guy five and two-thirds innings three hits allowed zero runs and you know sometimes he was content to uh throw a pretty good pitch and let the ball get put in play when the defense is playing like that why not yeah when you got a defense like that pound the strike zone and Tristan Stevens was having problems with that make them especially in that ballpark you know I told you about Lindsey Nelson Field where Tennessee plays and in just how big of a bandbox that is not only dimensions is it smaller but just the way the ball carries there it it jumps out of that ballpark and it does not do that at td ameritrade thank god we've got the beautiful shot of the convention center so it's all good but the ball's not traveling to center or left at all it is carrying to right a little bit and we've seen that throughout this college world series but that really psychologically messes with you and they hit a couple balls today one in particular that is way out at Lindsey Nelson and the crowd's going nuts and you're rounding third and you're pointing up at your girlfriend or your family and instead you're walking back to the dugout thinking I got a hold of that and that barely got to the warning track and it's an out that really messes with your head I thought they did a good job on the telecast of getting into that a little bit as the game went on and Chris Burke who played at Tennessee said you know I would model my ballpark after what you're going to be playing you know, after uh, what you're going to be playing for the national championship for, and that's TD Ameritrade. So that's one thing I think helps Texas out. They got over that psychological stuff early on in the season. You hit a ball and you go, oh, God, that should have been out, and it was caught. Damn it. Tennessee is just dealing with that right now. And, yeah, they had 98 home runs, but as I predicted, their power was not going to look like that at TD Ameritrade. And I think psychologically that got got into their head a little bit. Also the fourth inning, when you have a blow-up like that and there was a lot of chirping from both dugouts, they weren't happy with the strike zone, but a lot of bitching coming from the entire 
Tennessee staff. That can help you out. And when you get an assistant like Kivett who gets ejected and he's he's MFing the umpires after he gets tossed and and saying, you know, saying all types of crap, then that can fire you up. But if you don't answer that, it can kind of turn you back into the either we're getting screwed mentality or mm-hmm. I, almost like a, a deflated deflated uh, energy. And I almost felt that once Texas was able to sustain that and hold that and they didn't get any momentum from Kivett getting tossed, advantage Texas. It reminded me of a college basketball coach getting tossed. Um, now, I think his reaction was authentic. I don't think he was trying to do that. But it reminded me of a college basketball coach getting tossed so- somewhat purposefully yeah. to sort of try because the team's down eight. Yep. And there's seven minutes left in the game. So you're trying something. And the thing is, is if immediately your opponent drills two threes, it's over. You're going to lose by 20. Yeah. Right. Uh, but conversely, if things get chippy on the court, your players get chippy, suddenly you get two offensive rebound putbacks, and now it's back to four. The crowd starts to get into it. Uh-oh, everything changes. But Texas answered that, and the emotions just didn't get to Texas at all. They were the, they were the cooler, calmer, collected team, and that typically pays off in baseball. Great, great, uh, great example there, and you're right. Yeah, I mean, that comparison works. The other thing this team has done all year, and I've talked about it, in fact, they've done it more than I, than I can remember any Texas team doing, and that even goes 0-2 and 0-5. When, it, when the other team scores, God, almost every time they come back and score. They obviously didn't do that against Mississippi State. We gave up the two early and then got the one in the ninth. But Tennessee gets two in the second. What does Texas do? They answer with three. Tennessee got their other two in the fourth. What did Texas do? They answer with three. They don't let momentum drag and build very long. And this this is why this game was so much more of what this team has been all year long. Really good defense, get good relief pitching, much better at-bats, and when they score, man, you answer right back. Yep, I like it. Well, you know who's going to answer back if you pick up the phone and call and you want to get a fantastic mortgage service? Gabe. Gabe Winslow. He's been with us from the start. You guys need to be with him. And if you, and if you have been with him before, you can attest to what a good job he does. And tell you what, as crazy as it sounds, if your interest rate is a 375 or something like that, which is sizzlingly great historically, there's actually value in calling Gabe and see if you can improve your financial situation. You can do that at 832-557-1095. Right now, it's time to refi, Kevin. These are unique historical circumstances. We don't know what's going to happen in the economy. We're not making a prediction. If Kevin and I could make those predictions, we'd be very, very wealthy, and we probably wouldn't be doing this podcast. I'd still do the pod. I, I wouldn't do much else, but I'd still do the pod. You know what, Kevin? I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Did you think I'd say, me too? Uh, I didn't know with you. I, I thought I thought you'd still do it, but I like the answer, man. Well, someone who will continue to take your phone calls, <laughs> even as I ignore Kevin's because I'm wealthy. Uh, it's Gabe Winslow, 832-557-1095. Look, he's going to shoot you straight. Now is the time to refi. Here's the deal with a refi. You get it in. You lock your rate. You get things going. You can close in 30, 45, 90 days. It doesn't matter. Your rate's locked in. You can do it in a leisurely fashion. Nothing's pressing. You don't have that urgency of buying a new home or anything like that and all those tensions, uh, worried about the appraisal and things coming in and financing. No, just refi. 
take money off your monthly note, save thousands, sometimes tens of thousands of dollars over the lifetime of your loan. Do the right thing for yourself financially. 832-557-1095. And once you've done that, and I'll just do this very quickly because I've extolled her virtues before. If you're, if you're looking for a home or more importantly, you're looking to sell your home, give Laura Baker, outstanding Austin realtor, a call. She works for the Andy Allen team of Keller Williams. That is an elite group. If you know anything about Austin real estate, they are movers and shakers and they have access to all sorts of amazing off-market deals. Uh, and she gets after it. You know, Kevin and I were joking and, and talking that the realtor you want is the one you call and doesn't say, yeah, I can work you in next week. It's the realtor that says, what are you doing right now? Let's go look at houses. Well, Laura is the latter. You can reach her at 512-784-0505. Once again, that's 512-784-0505. Cool. Sounds good, man. A little bit more baseball stuff here, like probably 40, 45 more minutes if you're cool with that. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned Tanner Witt, man. This is where the draft really helped out. Only a five-round draft, and you get Tanner Witt. Not to say he wouldn't have come anyway. He really wanted to come, but, you know, it just would have freed up. The draft was completely different. So they had to nail guys. They weren't going to take as many chances in, in some of those leverage spots. So you get Tanner Witt. Man, is this guy good. And especially today, you know, he's sitting in the mid-'90s, low to mid 90s which is kind of where he's been but for a freshman to have the change up that he does to go with the four seam fastball that also has very high spin rate so some of that optical illusion stuff that i'm that i was speaking about it it really affected tennessee today where they've seen 97 98 he wasn't throwing that but 94 with that spin and still that carry on that plane was just was jumping on them and jumping on them quickly and you got a change up to go with that you can really use against left-handers he's got a little two-seamer and then he's got a big hook and the fact that texas has this guy for the next couple years he's going to be a starter next year i think tanner witt's going to be damn good i've also heard good things about his bat now they didn't really need it this year because obviously their offense has been fine probably could have used it the other day but so they were going to have Witt focus on pitching. But I think down the line, you're going to see him be a Friday night starter and also someone who either plays in the field when he's not starting or DHing. Um, they, they really like what this kid brings and just the poise. I mean, he's 18 years old and he looked like a pro out there. Yeah, he did. Calm, cool, and collected. Uh, he was, you could tell he was excited when some of the fielders did him a solid. And then you could see him sort of think, you, see it, you saw it click in his head like, huh. I'm just going to kind of pound it, put the ball in play, and let's go home. Especially at that ballpark. I'd be like, dude, if you hit one out on me here, especially to center or left, then props. I'll tip my cap. Obviously, ball's carrying a little bit more to right field. But, yeah, he attacked the zone. That's exactly what Texas needed. You would have liked to have gotten more out of Tristan Stevens. He gives you 58 pitches. Tanner Witt, a career-high 78 pitches, also a career-high five and two-thirds. Only struck out two, but the stuff and the command – was really damn good. And you hit the nail on the head. He let his defense play. Don't be surprised to see Stevens pretty quickly come on back and be a relief guy. I'm sure they're going to go with Pete Hansen against the loser of Virginia, Mississippi State. That'll be on Thursday. And then at that point, you just start to search uh, search for stuff and, and try and piece stuff together. I mean, obviously, you'd probably give Colby Kubitschek a start. You've got Lucas Gordon. Uh, when do you go back to Ty Madden? All those questions will be there. But Stevens who usually goes six and seven, 
you know, he got kind of half of an outing. So we'll see what that arm looks like. I, I'd be very surprised if we don't see him either on Thursday or Friday. Well, don't forget we've got a fresh Cole Quintanilla and a fresh Nixon. Yeah, that's a great point. They haven't pitched yet. So, look, to be in the loser's bracket, Texas does actually have the type of depth where they could win this thing. And the other thing I love is that, look, I, I've, I've said it all year, this team beats the shit out of bad-to-average pitching, more yep. so than a lot of lineups do. Guess what we're starting to get into now? Whoever they play, Virginia or Mississippi State, it's going to be their third starter. That's going to be those Sunday scores that we talked about. And these are obviously really good teams, or else they wouldn't be playing right now. So I'm not saying they're going to go 15-4, to four, but it's going to be a lot easier on this offense until maybe you get back into the championship series. Yeah, that's a good point. Hey, out of curiosity, I know baseball moved somewhat towards not aggressive as aggressively drafting the 17-year-old phenom, right, and trying to project him. Not as much as they used to. Right. It doesn't happen quite as much. But so what what could a guy like Wit what could he have commanded in a normal market? What what's what are they offering these guys now to basically make them an offer they can't refuse? That's a good question. I mean what he could have gotten is he could have gotten millions of dollars and been a even been a, a second round pick. Now they've slotted that money where it's not like it used to be like Josh Bell was the first pick in the second round and signed for I think six or seven million to not come to Texas and really wanted to. So they, they've, they've curbed that and fixed that a little bit. But there's no doubt it would have been millions of dollars and stuff that, hey, if, if he had to take it, then, then, you know, it's like with any of these guys, like the NBA, NBA guys we talk about. I mean, I'll say that I don't think a guy's ready. I'm never going to get on Kai Jones for leaving, though, right? You know, especially if you're, no. you're going to be a first-round pick. And, and actually, Kai wasn't the guy I'm thinking of, more of obviously Greg Brown. But so you get it, and you can talk about how the system may not be set up properly if you're gambling, if there's too many teams that are forced to gamble just on potential and ceiling and not really substance of what they've done at the sport or with the sport at that time. So, yeah, look, there's a good chance he would have been gone, but a lot of that was taken away. If you only have five rounds, you need to sign all those guys. Well, I mean, and if you're offered three or four million guaranteed at age 18 and you know anything about the power of compounding, which – Albert Einstein called the eighth wonder of the world. I mean, it's it's amazing what you can do. That is life-changing money. Yeah. And you can always go back to school. You always can. Right, exactly. And so a lot of these guys have done that. But I did see the I – I saw Witt's mom tweet. Um, I stalk her. I, I, I follow her. No, I'm kidding. Um, it's always weird, like, if you follow one of the parents. or I, I try not to follow any of the current players, but – you know, especially if you're talking about their kid, it's like, oh, God, this is weird. But I, I, I saw one of her tweets, and this was from like a week or two ago with Super Regional, and she said, a year ago at this time, we were debating what Tanner should do. And, you know, looking back at it a year later, God, we made the perfect decision. And he is absolutely eating this up. So I was glad to see that. You know, there's a lot of people. And look, the 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 real change and switch to these guys going to college, which wasn't like that when we were kids, at least not nearly the number of, of guys that go to college, was minor leaguers telling them, look, this is a really shitty lifestyle. And even if you are the nuke Lelouch and you've got that million-dollar contract because they think that you're going to be a big leaguer, you're still living that minor league life with the buses and the Oakland A's sandwiches or hamburgers or whatever the hell those were uh, that we saw a couple weeks ago that was just pathetic. You know, not a bad deal to go to Chapel Hill, go to Austin, 
hang out, hit on co-eds, get three years in, be, be treated like a star because the school and the fan base loves the program so much, and cut down on that minor league time. That's where a lot of these guys will pitch three years in college, and they're up in the bigs within a year. It's like, how was your minor league experience? We'll say quick. Yeah. Well, so very quickly, who do we want to see Thursday? Right now, Virginia leads Mississippi State for zip. Yep. Uh, at least that's the latest update I've seen. Virginia has been unbelievable. Holy cow. Talk about catching fire. So, so by the way, who I, do we want to see? And will we see Bednar if it's Mississippi State on Thursday? You will not see Bednar. I'd be very surprised if you saw Bednar. I think you're going to see their third starter. Now, you may see Bednar come in if they get in a, in a really tough spot. But I would think you see their third starter. And, look, I, I would rather see Mississippi State because of that. I'd rather – I'd rather get them in one game as opposed to two where they can come with two guys in the regular season or two guys in Bednar and McLeod that shut down this lineup throughout the year. So I hope Virginia holds on. Yeah, you know, I, I've been I've been right about a lot of my calls. Not exact, And I even said this. I laughed at it. Not exactly right about NC State in Virginia. And if you remember, I told you at the time, those maybe are, are your two teams that you kind of wonder how hot they got if they can continue that. And they have both really continued that. They've, they've looked like two of the best teams out here. So props to NC State and Virginia. It also goes to show you just how wide open this tournament is. Yeah, it makes sense to want to face Mississippi State. The deeper you get into their pitching, the more Texas can, can feast on those guys. And uh, Texas still has a lot of arms to throw. And when it's do-or-die elimination, you just keep throwing arms. You, you, don't, you don't really worry too much about tomorrow. Right. No, I mean, you just you just have to keep throwing and, and, and trying to get zero innings and and, and get the result you need. I, I like that matchup as well. I think eh, we'll see if Virginia holds on. But uh, yeah, I, I think it'd be nice to get a little revenge against Mississippi State. I just want to continue Texas being in Omaha. Obviously, I want Texas to make their way out of the bracket. Anything could happen. But yeah, just I, I don't like two in a queue, and I'm glad Texas has uh, extended their time in, in up in Nebraska. Yeah, first one in Omaha for David Pierce as a head coach, so that is important, especially with the fan base. Getting to Omaha is not is not going to keep your job here long term, so you got to go there and win. So it's good that the staff and the program was able to do that after the two in queue, I believe, in 2018. They're going to have to get some guys going though. You know, Zubia was 0 for 4. I do think Melendez is seeing the ball better than he was last week. Now, you're not going to see a lot to show for it. He was 0 for 2 with a run scored and two walks. But in the seventh inning, he's got that 3-1 count. And that's where you really come out of your shoes. And it was a fastball. Guy does not, the lefty does not have a real good fastball. So you know you're sitting there. And he spit on a fastball. It was in the dirt. But I do feel like he's seeing the ball a little bit better. He got kind of a cue shot earlier in the game with his only bat at bat. And then he hit one to left field that he just got under. And that's a deep left field. But if Melendez comes around, Daly had two hits today, get Zubia going, you know, you've really got to make sure those guys are are starting to get going. And the longer you hang around Omaha, the more better the chance is that someone who's not seeing the ball well or not really hitting the ball that well makes that turn and makes that flip. And for Texas – it's so important. Mike Antico seeing the ball incredibly well right now. We know that. 
I, I think Kennedy, obviously, is seeing the ball really well. Big at bat for Silas Ardoin, who has not been really offensive. And getting back to your two-out hitting and the point you made earlier, two-strike hitting with two outs. And those are guys you've got to get home, and he's able in a tie game to really sit back and take the ball to right center. That was a nice piece of hitting. Texas maybe caught a break with Doug Hodo being called safe at home. That was bang, bang. They weren't going to overturn that. And that was that was huge. I mean, to be able to do that with two outs, that's where you kind of saw this confidence building. And, yeah, it was an 8-4 game, but you said it earlier. Texas was a better team. You know, Eric Kennedy, you look at him physically, he is a he's a fast – strong guy twitchy right? guy yeah he's twitchy and i know is he coming back he's a junior this year is he coming you think he'll come back as a senior yeah absolutely i think he will because kennedy's so it, go ahead i was just gonna say is there a potential for a guy like kennedy to go from sort of a marginal player with the sort of confidence injected by this this run in the postseason with along with his physical skills and a good offseason is this a guy who could be batting 350 with 10 home runs and 35 stolen bases I don't know about 350, but I think Eric could be a 280, 290 hitter with that type of power and with that with that speed. We know the speed is there. I said at the beginning of the year, you had asked me, and this was just talking position players because we obviously knew with Ty Madden, that who's the best pro prospect. And I told you Eric Kennedy. Now, I was curious because Cam Williams really overshot, I think, most people's expectations. Zuby has only gotten better. We didn't know about Melendez or Daly. We knew Faltini is really talented and is a good prospect, but – where's the bat going to be and he's a 260 hitter so I think there's some flexibility there he'll get better but Kennedy because of his fast twitch because of his athleticism the way he was built he looked like a guy that he also showed oppo power early on in his career here at Texas he looked like a guy that if he put it together yeah this guy could be playing in the big leagues because he's got that type of of athleticism and can really run so that can help out on the base pass but also defensively yeah, he's a guy. I'll be curious where he goes to uh, summer ball this year and exactly what he works on because he was working on timing with that front foot all year long. You could tell he was in his own head. When this team was pounding the shit out of the baseball, Eric Kennedy's swing still didn't look good. It looks a lot better right now, and you can tell he's a lot more confident. So what's been a really a struggle for him this year, and he said that, is a nice way to end it and a good way to head into summer ball for some things you got to work on. Now, it wouldn't surprise me if Kennedy is able to work on some things and just be dynamite next year. The other thing I love about him is when he is struggling, guy wants to win. He'll put the ball on the carpet and bunt and use his speed to get on. Yep, absolutely. Um, interesting thing in all sports, when your skill catches up to your athletic ability. Yeah. I, especially, you're exactly right, especially in this sport that is so skill-driven you see, and Faltini is the same way. You could hear Chris Burke talking about him, and and as a former major league infield, they're saying, "I really like this kid." Faltini was up. He said, "Man, he's got a cannon for an arm. He's dynamite defensively. He likes his frame. The swing is coming. You can see it." That he said, "I'm curious next year exactly how how the pro scouts treat Faltini because even if he's the type of guy that even if he does hit 260, 265." Someone may gamble because the ceiling is there, and once that skill set of hitting, assuming it does catch up with his that athleticism and frame, watch out. That's a high ceiling. Well, you talked about skill and ability catching up. We know a guy who has both skill and ability. They caught up for him a long time ago. 
How can he help our listeners out? Uh, he was a national champion swimmer, so he had that a long time ago. But we're talking about David McClellan, fantastic guy, fiduciary financial advisor. He's from Forum Financial, and the fiduciary part means he's legally obligated to, to act in your be- best interest, and he will do that. He specializes in financial life coaching, also really key with retirement planning. So you got to get that financial freedom number. Find out what that number is. Find out uh, really what you need to get to and what you could be doing to achieve more wealth and maybe get there a little bit quicker. David can help you understand that number. Free consultation. All you got to do is mention you heard heard him on EGAT or us talking about him. He'll give you that free consultation. This guy is really legit. He's seen the industry from every side, and he's been a really good financial advisor for Forum. So we're glad to have him part of the family. Give him a call. Can't hurt. 312-933-8823. That's 312-933-8823 or McClellan at forumfin.com. Well, there we go, Kevin. Do we have anything else we want to add or should we wrap this up? We're back on our normal schedule. And, uh, you know, hopefully Texas is going to continue their schedule for a while up in Omaha. Let's yeah, keep it going. Yeah, a couple more things on the bottom of the line. No, 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 I'm, I'm done. I, I, I appreciate you. Uh, hopefully our baseball fans enjoyed that. You can tell I'm pretty excited about it. And uh, I know you're excited about it, too, because you're a Texas fan. Hey, so. I, I play a certain – look, some of it – some of my role that I play is <laughs> also based in truth, as you well know. Mm-hmm. But – uh, I've watched 18 innings of baseball in the last few days, and I'm going to keep watching nine innings of Texas baseball every time they're playing up in Omaha. That's that's just how it's going to be because uh, it's a lot of fun. That That is a great environment. And, hey, man, it's freaking the University of Texas. Baseball is a thing here. And uh, you got to honor you got to honor you got to honor the tradition. Yeah. I would just say stay loose, boys. You got nothing to lose. And they they made that switch in the ninth inning against Mississippi State. Got a run, got 90 feet away. They took that to today. Don't get away from that. Don't make this thing bigger than it is. Go out there, do what you've done all year, and just stay loose. There's my Augie speech with no cussing. There you go. Uh, Yeah, and the famous Augie speech still lives on on YouTube. But uh, (laughs) I watch it every now and then. I do, too. I I watched it the other day. I watched the one also where he's – arguing with the umpire which is fantastic just get the fucking well, thing right <laughs> <laughs> well not the funny thing about it is augie could sort of argue at whatever level the this the circumstance required because he had a deep technical knowledge of the rules in the game yes, right like, yes you know umpires were kind of like a little scared of like uh, revealing themselves like not knowing the rule when they're talking to Augie, right? And but at the same time, Augie would just go up and and just have a profanity laced ty- tirade, right? He could do that one as well. So uh, he was a yeah. v- versatile man. Versatile man. I appreciate that versatility that he can go from the from the uh, urbane to the profane with equal facility. All right, quickly here. We've had two coaches like that. Got to give Gus a shout out for all of our Gus players that Chuck Hurtley and those guys that listen. So I talked with an umpire after way after Gus had left and he said, you know, I could never say it at the time, but I knew I'd fucked up when Gus came out to talk to me because he knew the rule book so well. I mean, he knew it better than any coach. And he said, if he came out, you knew you messed something up. Oh, that's funny. That is very interesting. Well, not a lot of coaches that have coached baseball at the University of Texas. So let's hope David Pierce can pan out and uh, do his 25-year stint 
get, you know, three or four national championships and, and do his bit for Texas baseball. I'll sign sign it right now if you got it. All right, buddy. Uh, appreciate, uh, appreciate you letting me talk so much baseball. Had a good time. And uh, I guess we'll talk next week. Yeah. Well, just know that once we get to late July, you won't be talking baseball again <laughs> for about eight months. So yeah, I deal know. with that. I'm aware. I'm, as you can tell, I'm getting it all in right now. All right. We'll talk to you all later. See you.